Melissa here, and you know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And today on the show, we are talking to Aquinos, or as I, you know, as I saw, MFing motherfucking Aquinos <laughs> here yeah. to talk to us about sex work, sex worker rights, and her amazing work um, with the Black Sex Worker Collective. Hey, Aquinos, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So I really, really am appreciative. This is a topic I've been wanting to explore on the podcast for a really long time now. And I became super interested in this conversation. I mean, in the last year, we've had the SESTA-FOSTA legislation come down, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the, uh, sex worker strike was a little while ago and I thought, you know, I, I was following that on social media. Um, and I thought, and I, and I just think that there's a lot of conversations now about the difference between sex work and trafficking and who's the face. And so that was really, you know, what, what kind of pushed me to just want to learn more and, you know, get some different perspectives on this. So thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I'm happy to be here. All right. So to start off with, tell us who you are. What do you do? I am a performance artist. I Well, no, lies. I'm a stripper. <laughs> I strip primarily in burlesque shows. Nice. I do performance artists. Well, I do like multimedia art. So mm-hmm. I've like done a short film. Um, one of my mentor and I, we do record like a podcast, which is like backlogged with so much information. Nice. Um, you can't get it edited in time. Um, so I am a multimedia performance artist, but I am, I identify as a stripper that predominantly works in burlesque shows. And I am a human rights activist, uh, mainly discussing things around sex worker rights, which is a very layered term mm. um, that doesn't just stop at the sex trade. It's dealing with immigration. It's dealing with racism. It's dealing with feminism. It's dealing with labor rights, housing rights, rights to food, and, and things like that. Yes. Yes. I love that. So as you're talking through that, why did you start the Black Sex Worker Collective? And what are your goals? It sounds like It sounds like you're taking a very integrated approach to this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I started the collective initially when it was my brainchild. I wanted a space where black people that were in the work could come together and discuss our experiences, our shared experiences and give ideas and just have a, you know, a a safe space that we could uh, relate to each other. Mm. Um, A lot of the, the places that are or at least were in New York, were very white-led. Mm. And I noticed that, not necessarily with me, but with other people, that there was a lot of, like, issues that were arising. So when I had it on my brain before I, I implemented the idea, it was really just about providing a space that was led by black workers for black workers and, you know, use a certain kind of philosophy that's, you know, about, like, black healing and things like that. Mm. Um then the sesta foster legislation happened, and I was just like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're going to be even in bigger trouble than we typically are because, as we all know, when these laws happen, when they're put into place, they affect marginalized communities the most, which is always trans people and black people. Mm. 
So that's why that happened. So that was really in a response to that legislation. Mm, okay. um, and I knew that we were going to like be in a position where we we're going to really need support this time in different, you know, in different mediums. Um, so I started the collective. Absolutely. I love that. So we're, we're already going down legislation and, you know, talking about all of, you know, the things, but what is sex work? I think that there is, and some of the qu- listener questions that I got were kind of rolled into the definition of sex work. You know, is it, is it just stripping? Is it prostitution? Is it, I, you know, you pay my bills and I give you a little something on the side. Like, I think that, I think there's a cloud around what sex work is. So how do you define sex work? Um, well, sex work is an umbrella term to de- to describe a lot of different areas within the sexual labor market. So that traditionally can mean being in porn, being a phone sex operator, being a stripper, being a prostitute, being an escort, being a sugar baby, even though a lot of them don't consider themselves to be sex workers, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and now there's a blender. It was so quiet in here before you called, and now there's like blenders going and shit. I'm like, oh my God. No, I don't even hear but it. I don't even, even hear, hear the blenders. Right. That's good. Good. Um, so yeah, it's an umbrella term to describe all of that, but in my my personal definition, I it's a lot broader than that to me. There's a lot of people that are like sex work adjacent or can actually be considered be doing sex work mm. um, that we traditionally don't look at as people that's in that arena, such as gynecologists. I mean, they're in pussies all day. Give me a break. That's a sexual <laughs> health field and you're getting paid for it. You know, you're a urologist. Like, come on. Like, give me a, you know, like these people are touching organs, sexual organs. Um our own screen um, high-paid actors and actresses. Like, mm. how many times have we seen Halle Berry get her back blown out? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, give me a break. Um, um, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got the people behind the camera that, you know, work in the porn industry oh. or work in the adult video industry and so on. Um, so th- there's a lot of them out there that are actually doing sex for their work, mm. and they get a pass because it's, you know, acceptable you know, in society for different reasons. Um, and also sometimes because they're just getting paid more money. So that's what it is to me. But in, 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 um, in the, uh, like the sex workers, it's an umbrella term to just mean like, you know, sexual labor, any kind of form of sexual labor, um, from phone sex to strip clubs to escorting and so on. That is so interesting that you that you talk about, you know, the people who are sex work adjacent or still doing some sort of sex work, because I think that the conversation that has been going on lately and and just as far as as far as Twitter goes. Right. And I think there's a lot of folks who are. Let me see, like split. Right. So you have some folks who are like. Especially, I feel like I'm going to say this in regards to like Cardi B and like City Girls and different rappers who are out there. And I think that a lot of folks are talking about sex work, or and, and I feel like that's where the conversation is going, but then look down upon sex workers. Do you feel like that's a trend, or do you feel like that's just kind of like internet speak? Um, I mean. These entertainers selling their pussy, so to speak, is nothing new. Um, 
they've always been doing that. That's how they make their money. That's how Rihanna makes her money. You know, they're they're in a way selling their selling that sexuality, selling that pussy. So it's just like it's like you know, it's whatever. Um, looking down on the work, um, that's pretty much you know, that's just how how it is in the industry. We don't live in a society that has common sense. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they don't yet necessarily use logic. They <laughs> follow the pack. <laughs> they follow the pack, and they're not using their critical thinking skills. So, yeah, you know, it's pretty normal to be out there, like, with your ass, you know, spread out, shaking, talking about getting your bills paid by these these men or whatever, and then, you know, still thinking that you're better than the hoes that are, like, claiming this title as their job title. Right. So yeah, that's you know that's just that's just how it is. But you know, a hoe is a hoe. You can be a classy hoe, or you can be a lower level hoe. It don't matter. You still a hoe. So whatever. Lower level hoe or class? I like it. I like it. Yeah, a I new mean, a well, new label I mean, out here. Friend, cause there's no such thing as classy hoe. I hate that term. Actually, <laughs> I just mean like you know you got you got levels. You got bitches at the top that are making, charging lots of money or making lots of money doing whatever they're doing. And you got other people that are like lower down, and that's fine. But a hoe is a hoe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think I, I. I can't. I don't recall like people. You know, like these these rappers per se. I feel like Cardi B claims. You know, I don't think she's ever shied away from being a stripper. But I think Why that I, love her. I think that there are a lot of layers of conversation around. You know, people being like, "Oh, but I don't sleep with men." So thereby, you know, or I only do such and such, you know, to a certain well, level. I mean, well, it's like every actress does not act in movies, right? Mm. But does that mean that she's not an actress? Woo! Okay. You know, some okay. actresses act in plays. Some actresses, you know, are on TV. Some actresses do commercial work. Um, that doesn't mean you're not an actress. <laughs> so just because... You're a stripper or you're a prostitute. That doesn't mean you're not a sex worker. It just means that you do a different type of the work. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what do you think are the biggest misconceptions folks have when it comes to comes to sex work and sex workers? There's so many. I mean, for one, um, they think that we're idiots, which is pretty bizarre because to even have a, such a uh, amount of self-awareness that you know that sexuality is something that you can use to get ahead in the world mm. or to even just, you know, use it because you want to have fun sometime. Mm. Um, you know, that's not a, that's not a, a stupid person that's doing that. That's a thinking person, right? So mm. to think that sex workers are just stupid, which is absurd because a lot of us hold PhDs, multiple degrees. A lot of us, you know, are like building our communities up by engaging in this work. So there's a, a really big idea out there that, you know, if you speak well or if you look a certain way or walk a certain way that you're not a sex worker, like there's only one type. Again, there you know, humans are, they there's a, a range to how we exist. Right. So, you know, some of us speak some many languages, some of us don't. Does that, you know, mean one person is stupid and, and the other person is not? No, it's just mm-hmm. that there's a range. So mm-hmm. people thinking that sex workers are um, uneducated is pretty absurd because a lot of us actually are quite very well educated. Um, where, you know, we are the ones that sometimes start a lot of this legislation and lead the way on changing the laws to not just make it good for our lives, but to also make it better for um, people, our society as a whole, because mm-hmm. 
what people don't understand as well about the work is that when they start messing with people at the bottom, such as sex workers, you're not far off the list of who they're going to come after next. So right. it's better to just support us in what we're doing because what what happens to us will end up affecting you in the long run. Um, hmm. There's also this big uh, conflation with trafficking. You know, every time I do a, a talk someplace where people just don't really know anything about the business, I, I just did something in Berlin where I did a, a interview at a this dungeon, this once-a-month party, mm-hmm. and as per usual, people are rolling up on me and talking to me about these trafficking victims, and I need to go speak to the trafficking victims. I do not work with trafficking victims. Right. Trafficking is a form of human slavery. Yes. It's a human violation. I deal with people who are actually in the work or want to leave the work, because everybody, for some reason or another, can't stand their job. Sex work is nothing different. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to talk about trafficking, go to your go to your public officials because those are people that are usually hand in hand trafficking humans. Mm. Go to your go to your, you know your people that are these, these companies that are completely violating people's labor rights. They're mm. trafficking people. Right. Go to your president. <laughs> go to your president. You know, go to the police. Right. And talk to them about what are they doing about trafficking. But I am really exhausted with every single time someone hears that I'm in this business. Or I'm, you know, I have an organization. They're like, want to know, want you to know what I'm doing about trafficking. I'm not doing shit about trafficking. Mm-hmm. I don't fuck with, I don't do, I don't deal with traffickers. I don't, I don't have expertise with trafficking victims. Right. I work with people who are not being forced into their labor. Mm. You know, um, I don't consider people who are forced to do sex work like sex workers. They're yeah. slaves. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, that, you know, not that I would turn those people away, but that's not what I do. Right. Um, so I think people really need to understand what trafficking is, who really gets trafficked and who's really responsible for it. Um, and it ain't us. It's not our industry, right. you know? Right. Um, and it's not, it's not only our industry that people can get forced into the work. Mm. It's, we're not even the dominant, we're not even dominant in that narrative. It's so many other industries that people need to pay attention to. Mm. Um, there's, uh, yeah, so they think we're stupid. They think we're all like victims. You know, really big misconception is that people actually don't want to do this work, that we're coming from these broken backgrounds or that we're hiding in the bushes and we're like aliens that, you know, don't come out at, at in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just so hidden. It's such a hidden industry. And it's like, no, we have families, we have friends. We're actually normal human beings. Um, and a lot of us don't want to be labeled as victims because we're not. People actually make a conscious decision to do this work because it is a viable form of employment. Uh, there you go. I was about to. I was about to ask you. I was about to ask what were some. What do you think are some of? Because I think it's still. It's funny because I feel like we hear so many things about, you know, um, about like prostitution or sex work being like the oldest form of work and and stuff like that. And I think that even with that existing, I feel like there's still stigma and taboo with one people who do engage in sex work. Like, because it's kind of like, I think the, the overarching narrative is like, Oh my gosh, you must be like poor, homeless, kicked out, unloved. And you know, all of these very prominent, you know, themes that we see in the media around like why someone would want to engage in sex work. And then I think when we look at the other side, there is this stigma and 
kind of the shame that if someone does have sex with a sex worker, that, you know, that says something about them and like, you know, who they can pull and like, you're not relationship, you know, all of these different things about, you know, the, the, the stigma of sleeping with a sex worker and you're dirty and like, you clearly can't find a woman who can be with you because you had to pay for sex. And so I guess, so it makes me think about, you know, the reasons, what, what do you see as the reasons why, you know, besides, like you said, it makes money, but why do you think they, we have this overarching narrative and why do you think the stigma is so strong for people who do engage with sex workers? Well, for one, I'm not sure if this is the oldest profession. I that, that, <laughs> saying that shit. Like doctors, healers, I, I, I don't know if Writers. this is the oldest profession, but whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, in regards to uh, the men and if there's something wrong with them, yeah, something actually is wrong with them. Mm. <laughs> come on, okay, come They're on. actually fucking crazy. Um. You know, I've tried to date clients over time, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of other people who have. And one of the conversations that I constantly have with one of my colleagues is that, you know, I we hate to admit it, but there's something there's something going on with the people that come in sometimes to mm-hmm. see us. I don't know about the women, because men, men and women do different, uh, we are motivated to do things for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients have been, for the majority, they have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. They've been. Can, can you hear me? Okay, I can definitely hear you. Yeah. Okay. Good. They have actually been wonderful as as long as I don't let them cross any boundary. Mm. As long as I don't let them cross, and this is with just men across the board. But then, <laughs> then there's this thing where I actually think something is fundamentally wrong with the male species. Anyway, so that's a that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Um, so I, you know, I I I I do. We need to think about just how the world. Uh, revolves around them and how they have been reared to come up and how there's a lot of lack of respect for anything that is feminine um, mm. and just, you know, the wars that are started and who commits a lot of the, the rapes. There's something fundamentally wrong with them, period. Yes. across the board. Gotcha. So, <laughs> the, the, so, so the men that come in to do the work are the same men that are in that society doing all kinds of other fucked up shit, right? Mm. So, yeah, there's something fucking wrong with them just because they are... You know, I'm not in public. <laughs> I don't like sitting between two men. I don't want to like get the eyes. But whatever, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Oh, um, my clients, I find that I fare better um, uh, when I'm dealing with my clients, and I don't get personal with them. If I keep a business, I'm in a better position because it's that money. There's a security with that exchange of that money right. that keeps them in line. Hmm. Right. So they respect me more and, you know, they're, they're more likely to come back and support me than if I try to be like, see them as a human. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it actually is true. And I've heard other workers say this, like not even in like in regular policy, just random like workers just saying that, that they do not see the, the, the women that they see as human. And the moment that you see them as a human, they completely switch. Hmm. Right. So, so you think it's the exchange of money that makes them be like, this is a business transaction. I can yes. follow the rules. But once we start becoming right. a little bit more comfortable, once, they... Once, right. Once you let them cross that line and short you even $5, you have just, you just walk into muddy waters. Mm. Because no one understands the value of money more than men, right? Mm. They understand it. 
this is why they 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 place a lot of value on things that they pay for. Mm. So the moment that you stop letting them pay for it, they completely fucking change. Hashtag not all men. Oh oh. Or whatever. Oh. <laughs> whatever. Hashtag yes or whatever. <laughs> but they do understand it, which is why they're you know they're like financial leaders of the world. This is mm. why they're in these positions. This is what you know. This is why they can get away with doing like you know certain things or being called true businessmen like Michael Jackson and Jay Z. Mm. And in fact, they're fucking really evil, and they understand the value of money. So um, yeah, there's some truth to that to the whole concept of if you go see them, there's something wrong with you. But there's something wrong with most of them. Mm. And a lot of people are not going to want to hear that. They're going to be like, I'm man bashing, but I'm not. We no. just look at the world at large. And, I'm, you know, you're talking about women getting um, mercy killings or whatever, like, you know, in other countries. Like, these women are getting, like, murdered because they went out on a, uh, went out for a walk with somebody they weren't married with. Mm-hmm. Not making this shit up. This is actually a fact. Of and course. Can, and it's irrefutable. Right, but people are going to be fucking pissed off about it. But whatever, I'm used to people being pissed off about it. So there, there, there is some truth to that. But a lot of the conversation that uh, happens around, um, you know, around sex work is from a lot of people who just watch way too much fucking TV. Yeah. Again, you know, nobody wants to believe that people actually want to engage in this work. Why would you want to fucking get paid for it? When you can fuck for free, <laughs> why would you do that? Right. You know, like that, the logic behind that, you know, it's like, you're supposed to get the patriarchy, the sex for free. You don't, you don't let the patriarchy pay for the sex. Mm. You give it to them. But, you know, again, and they watch too much TV and these people on TV, they, everybody, I, I used to say that a lot of people have issues with sex, but I think that they're so obsessed with it that they actually don't know how to deal with it. And then it comes out into these ridiculous films where it's like, you know, the only time a woman can enjoy sex is if she's getting tied up, um, if she's with her husband mm. or, or or have sex, or the other way for her to have sex is if she's, like, tied up and being forced to do it. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. It's like they're rape fantasies. Right. Just, like, you know, coming out all over the place. You get to see people's real deep, dark desires when you watch things like that on TV. Um, so I'm really happy that the narrative is changing, which shows, like, clean sugar, like, you know, showing respect to the sex workers um, and and and, and uh, mini-series like... Um, Oh my God, I'm going to remember it in a minute. There was a mini series on TV I always reference because they really got it right. Oh, you know, okay. and then movies like Hustlers, you know, coming out. So it's, it's like, I'm, I'm happy to see that narrative changing because it's bullshit. When people are like saying all these like wild ass things, it, it's a very knee jerk reaction because people don't actually want to think. Right. And so what, I guess, what got you into, what got you into stripping? And just starting this, um, starting this, this work because it's like I, I feel like you're doing, you're, you're doing stripping, but you're doing like the human rights work. You're doing the organizing work. As well. Yeah, I mean, I started stripping for the reason anybody starts to go to work. They mm-hmm. need money, right? <laughs> <laughs> I went to work because I needed money. I, you know, I, I, I'm like the poster child for the kind of person that would end up in a strip club. Mm-hmm. And my story, the, the anti would actually say I was trafficked because oh. I was young. Someone did coerce me, not really coerce me, but got me, someone older that did get me into the club. Uh-huh. 
Um, and I did do it because I couldn't get a regular job for a reason with my mom and get, and I'm being an immigrant and not having my papers because she held it for me. Long story. Wow. And then I, I was a young mother and I needed to go make some money. And mm-hmm. I was, and somebody brought me to the club and I was like, Oh, I was at that time. We were getting paid shift fees, like $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. Plus you were keeping our tips. So I was making pretty good money and being able to like support my, my kid at that time. Mm-hmm. So all the reasons that they say that somebody ends up into this industry, I'm actually with. Right. But that's not the norm for everybody. Right. You know, we all we all come in for different reasons. But then again, you know, there, there, there's a certain kind of person that ends up, you know, working a goddamn like minimum wage job for most of their lives. Right. Right. So it's like the same shit, but it's work. So I just, you know, happen to be attractive enough to be able to go into those clubs and make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, um, being a stripper. And then eventually I wised up and realized that it wasn't worth it trying to have regular relationships with men, even though I bump my head every now and then. And I, um, <laughs> I, I attempted and I ended up regretting it. Um, and then I became an escort because it was just a much, a much more wiser, um, feasible decision for me, you know? Mm. Um, and then I started doing the advocacy work because I don't know, I, it, it's kind of, you know, you just, are you're not it's just who I am mm-hmm. I've always been like a humanitarian and wanting to help people and wanting to see people do better and I realized that there was a lack of um space for black led people for people that were black mm-hmm. to be leaders um in this industry and having our voices and our experiences heard you see that all the way on the, the, the burlesque stages and you see it in mainstream media you know we're always like an afterthought black people are always an afterthought even though um People are always, society is always um, using our, like, our um, our framework mm-hmm. for their movements, like the civil rights movement, you know, and things like that. And they always want to quote our leaders, our Martin Luther Kings and our Malcolm X and our Harry Tubman. They always want to do that, but then we're still always an afterthought, you right. know? Right. So, like, seeing hustlers and seeing black women get prominent roles in that movie, fat and black women mm-hmm. have prominent roles in that. So it's, it's, it's completely changing. But, you know, you, we, we always got to be doing the work because black people, no matter which no matter which way you slice it, black people, fat people, disabled people, we're always like an afterthought mm. in everything. So I saw there was a need and I was like, you know, let me let, let me do this and maybe it can become something. So I think that I think some of the things in what you're saying, I think, of course, you know, you're you're stretching even my mind because I feel like this is not something that we talk enough about. But I think one of the things that people have or like have a hard time with and I'm and I'm I'm making air quotes when it comes to sex work is how are you able to have people touch your body or. How are you able to engage with folks and still be able to separate? Does that make sense? Like separate yourself from that? I mean, it's the same way when a psychiatrist sits down and speaks to 10 patients a day. Mm-hmm. How do they separate when they go home to deal with their families? Right. It's, a, it's different. It's just work. work when right. you're in at work, no matter what work you do, whether you are a nurse, whether you are a customer service rep, right. whether you know, it doesn't matter what you interact with your customers differently. It's a whole different um, emotional connection. It's a whole different conversation. 
how you approach it. Everything is completely different. And then you go into your home and with your loved ones, and it's different energy, right. different feelings, you know. It's a different connection. So, you know, how does the gynecologist put their <laughs> hands in, in, in all these pussies all day They go home and touch themselves or touch their wives' pussies? I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> How does how does how does like you know all these actors and actresses they on screen hot and bothered Terry Washington and that goddamn guy from that show they're kissing up on each other it, it, and it looks hot and you're turned on and then they have to turn that off and then go home to their partners same thing. Aquinos, you are you're you're, you're stretching <laughs> me you're stretching me. All right, so I have a few listener <laughs> questions here because I feel like. That I feel like there's, I, I'm getting it like on social media and my DMs, where of course like people are just more and more and more curious. So are you down? Are you are you ready for some listener questions? Yeah, sure. All right. So it says here, hi Vanessa. I've seen a lot of women online say that giving it up for free is exploitation, especially when accounting for all the crap that we deal with from men. For example, slut-shaming, toxic masculinity, the prioritization of male pleasure at the expense of women, etc. Put simply, if the sex-slash-relationship is good, then you got pleasured and paid. And if the sex-slash-relationship is bad, at least you got something out of it, but you lose totally if you have sex for free. That idea makes me uncomfortable for a lot of reasons, but my question is this. Am I being played or losing out for having sex without any financial gain, whether direct, actual money, or indirect, gifts, paid bills, etc. Am I am I just internalizing whorephobia and letting it stop me from getting what I deserve or earn from my sexual labor? Also, if I support casual sex, am I being a hypocrite slash moralistic for not being willing to have casual sex for money? That was a lot. So if you need me to run it back. If you need me to run it back, I can. I I strongly feel that people should be able to have sex any way they want to, any way they please. If you wanna fuck for, if you wanna fuck without making money from it and you feel good about it, that's your prerogative. Mm. Um, if you're fucking you're getting gifts, that's your prerogative. You know, they I am not here I, you know, sometimes the sex workers will tease me and it actually started to like really piss me off where when I have sex without getting paid for it they're like ashamed of me and it's mm. like listen this is my pussy <laughs> and anyway I feel like using it I, that's what I'm fighting for I'm fighting for people to have the right to be able to use their bodies however they feel fit right. right so I'm not here to say you know you should feel ashamed because you're not getting any money if you feel good about it then thumbs up to you have all the sex that you want you know, um, some people get paid and some people get don't, and some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody cannot be a sex worker. Everybody cannot make money or get gifts from having sex all the time. You know, mm. it's just not realistic. If that was the case, all of us will be pretty much having everything that we want, right? <laughs> it's just not how the world works. Right. So, you know, I, as a worker, sometimes I have to. I want to have sex that's not about work because it feels different, you know? It definitely is a different layer to it. I want to have something with a more of an emotional connection and not, you know, transactional in that kind of way. Um, so, you know, it's your body. You have sex however you want. I personally find um, romantic relationships to be degrading and, and, and humiliating. Um, because, again, going back to just, you know, the gender wars, 
men do not know how to treat women. They, what I'm seeing now that's happening is that they are, people are moving further away from each other with the whole, you know, advent of the, the, the sex dolls and the robots becoming more like um, a, a prominent fixture in mm-hmm. our sexual society. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it seems like it's easier to like go get something that's not real as opposed to just treating, you know, women with um, a certain amount of respect. So mm. I find those those romantic relationships to be utterly disgusting and a waste of time. But I love toxic masculine dick. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to, like, at some point go back to trying to get a man again, and I'm going to regret it. I think a lot of us are suffering through that. So you're not, you're not alone. You're not alone in that. So, okay, so want to run back to what you said, though. You said not everybody can, not everybody can get gifts, not everybody can get money. So if you do decide that you, that, like, you know, our, our writer here, if, if she decides, like, okay, you know what, F all that toxic masculinity shit, I'm about to get, I'm about to get my money, I'm about to get some bags mm-hmm. off of this. How do you even propose that to someone? How do you, like, what are the, what are even, like, the logistics? Are you, like, flirting with someone and they're like, hey, want to come back to my place? And you're like, yes, for a Louis bag. Like, how does, how do we even, (laughs) how do we make this transaction happen? Well, there's no one way. There's Mm -hmm. different ways to, to engage in this. I personally put ads up. I see. You know, to get my clients. Um, but, you know, you've got w- people that work into the hotels and some people that are very good with that gift of gab. Like, you know, when I was a young girl, I knew I knew women that, you knew girls that I was friends with that would get men to buy them things after they, like, had sex with them one time or not. You know, you've mm. got people that are just good master manipulators like that or they know the kinds of people to 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 pick right you know you got to know your audience um but there's really no one way to do it you kind of have to find what works for you if you're good at going into spots and picking the right kind of men and and you know getting them to buy you gifts yeah perfect but for me i'm not that good of a salesperson i just have to put an ad up and just tell them what the rules are and then you know i might get into these long-term client uh relationships where they you know they want to give me you know, something as opposed to cash, which I don't really, I don't really deal with that. Mm-hmm. But then depending on what it is, it might work for me. I mean, I know workers now that sometimes the clients call them on the phone from an ad and they'll offer them certain things that's not necessarily money, but worth something to them and they'll take it. You know, mm-hmm. there's no one way to do this. Everybody does not work the same way. Everyone does not post an ad. Some people are street walkers. Some people work into hotels. You know, it's it, it, it's different levels to this. So you gotta just know who you are and and know what's gonna work for you. For me, I just gotta post an ad. So okay, so then when you when you think about some like posting an ad, how do you? And I mean, this is I think this lays into all of the layers that you were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> like, how do you ensure your safety? Because I think that's a that's a thing too. We have a lot of sex workers where people are straight up not paying them, disrespecting them, um, you know, violence, etc. So how what are some of the precautions you take? Well, that violence has nothing 
seem to do with the work. That, mm-hmm. again, has to do with the toxic masculine exactly. patriarchy, exactly. right? Exactly. Because there's a lot of women that are getting their faces bashed in. And I and I actually have a hashtag going on Facebook, not a sex worker, mm. to highlight the fact that these women that are getting murdered or getting raped or getting beat up, they have nothing to do with the, the sex industry. Right. They're, they're lawyers, they're mothers. Just like one, one thing I read, this woman got killed and then she was getting her her nails and her, her jealous ex-husband or ex-boyfriend rolled up in there and stabbed her right. in front of everyone. She was not a sex worker, mm. right? So that actually has nothing to do with the work. I think what it is more so, other than the, the, the toxic men that are in our environment, the fragile men that are, you know, in our environment, it's also um, women that are, or other people, not necessarily women, but mm. anyone that's, you know, a victim to the patriarchy, that um, uh, they're victims to the patriarchy. So what ends up happening is that you sometimes succumb to it, right? Mm. So you don't trust your instincts, which is, which is you know, you've got to, like, go back to that wild nature and go back to your gut. Mm. And you, you've got to, like, see people for who they are. You can't fall in love with their potential. You can't think that one little thing that made you uncomfortable, because that's very different for everyone. You can't think that one thing that they said or they did that made you uncomfortable is just, oh, not a big deal. You mm. have to understand. You have to inflate that shit. Wow. Right. And you have to see that's a sign that there's something is wrong there, and you just need to move on. Definitely. Right? Definitely. So I'm in, like, um, some dating groups and in some other sex worker groups on the social media, and the shit that these women deal with mm. is unfucking believable right. It's unfucking believable what we tolerate from them. But I also... I also say this thing, you know, and I, I've said this to my aunt and to other women that I know in my life, like, if women actually, and I'm saying women because we're, you know, the ones typically affected by how the patriarchy is, if we actually took a stop and only dealt with men that respected us and cared for us and, you know, you know, was playing, working on a higher vibration we probably only ever dealt with two of them. <laughs> I mean, right. like, think about your, your, unless you've been super lucky, just think about your dating life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old you are, but just think about it. Yeah. And really, really think about the, the people that you dealt with and how many of them you could say, that was a really upstanding individual. It ain't much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It ain't much of them in there. You know, right. they just be doing some, uh, some like, really toxic dangerous mm-hmm. bullshit mm-hmm. um so you know keeping yourself safe for the most part in this work is about using your gut right. um some other people take higher precautions they they tell people where they are um they do all kinds of things they vet their clients they research them now you kind of have to because of how the laws are the criminalization is so you want to be careful that you're not bringing in a dangerous cop in your door because they're the ones that cause a lot of harms to workers. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> so some of us really screen heavy. I've never been that kind of screener. I mm-hmm. really just, like, I listen to their voice. Say the wrong thing. You're just not coming in the door. You don't say hello to me when you come on the phone with me. I'm hanging up on you. You right. know, like, I have a very, I don't really tolerate much. But these steps should not just be implemented for when you're working. A lot of women who are dating really should just implement these steps because how many how many how of us have gone home with these men that we don't even know their last names we don't we don't know anything about them we just like yeah we're just gonna go fuck this random dude mm-hmm. right and you know end up getting hurt or whatever 
end up getting hurt, end up getting pregnant, end up getting an STD, whatever that can potentially happen, right? So in theory, every woman should be taking the steps to make sure that she's not going home with a fucking psycho because when you do the math, most of these motherfuckers are crazy. That math, though? (laughs) All right, I got a a second question for you. So um, this question says... What does Aquinos uh, think uh, about films like Hustlers, representation of sex workers and strippers? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, the film had to do what it needed to and being very inclusive of body type and race. And I, I very much appreciated that because in that regard, it definitely lets you know that the strip club industry is not just, you know, um, white skinned, blonde women mm. with flat stomachs. Like, there's fat women... There's black women, light skin, and dark skin. There's Asian women. So I really appreciate Hustlers for doing that. Um, in a club like Hustlers, the reality is that there would be one black girl, and she'd probably look very stereotypical, mm. um, and there would be no fat bitches, right? Mm. So when it comes to club, like high-end, the quote-unquote high-end clubs like Hustlers and, and shit like that, there we ain't. We're, we're if we are in there, it's so. It's so it's so sparse, you know. Right. Um. So there would be no Lizzo, <clears throat> there would be no dark skin black girl, there would be no black light skin black girl with a natural, mm. you know. There'd be like one maybe, maybe she would be dark skin, but she'd have a blonde weave. You know what I mean? You have to have a certain kind of look. Right. Um. So it, it wasn't real in that reality. It didn't address the racism that does happen in the strip club industry or the sex industry as a whole. Mm. It's a very racist industry. Mm. Um, but I appreciated the film for making sure that it did the right thing and includes, you know, different body types and different cues of, of women Definitely. in that. And I'm, I'm very happy to know that women, even though they were white women, got away with drugging and robbing, you know, assholes. <laughs> you said you were proud of that? I was happy about that. I was like, yay, when? They ro- they drugged them and they robbed them. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha. Ooh. Well, that was the second part. Well, there you go. That was the second part of the question. The second part of the question said, I don't, I truly don't get why this movie's getting as much praise um, as it does. Not because they're sex workers. I take no issue with that, but because praising a movie where women drug men to then steal from them to me seems the opposite of empowering. So what are your thoughts well, on that? What, I mean, I am not the kind of person that would steal. I, I, I'm not the kind of person that would have done anything like that. That's just not who I am. Right. Um, I'm desperate for money, but I'm not that desperate that I will commit that kind of crime that mm-hmm. really goes against who I am as a person. But, you know, look, a lot of these men come up in these clubs and in the industry as a whole and really disrespect and steal from the, the workers in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and, and again, hashtag not all men, I roll into the ether. Um, a lot of them come in there and do that. I don't give a fuck. They work on Wall Street. Who cares? You know, they, they've probably done a lot of grimy shit to make their money. Um, and I, I don't really give a fuck. I'm, I wouldn't do it. But I also don't care that somebody else did it. Right. I did feel bad for the for the one guy who really needed to pay his mortgage and that. Now that yeah, that one was sad. That one was sad. I was like, oh damn! And you could tell yeah. me had sympathy. Well, the one girl had sympathy for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you know, you there's always going to be that one, you know. But the rest of them, I don't give a fuck. Like, 
So they they make their money being shady. They're they're they aren't and and guys. I think one of the things that the film probably did mention um, was about when they the, the higher when the, the guys that will pay out more money that have more money to burn. They're usually assholes, and right. you can get this information from um, um, higher end sex workers who charge a lot more money um, per hour. That there's a certain level of assholery that comes with people that are paying six hundred dollars an hour or a thousand dollars an hour. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Well, you know, I mean, it is in a way glorifying crime. But look, listen, how many how many movies are out there with these murderous ass drug dealing bastards? And they, you know, and, we love those men. And they on the come up. And they on the come up. We right. love them. We have nothing to say about The Godfather and shows like The Soprano. These motherfuckers are serial killing murderers. Right. And everybody loves and glorifies them. So I'm very happy to see that women are being portrayed as powerful criminals, and people are loving that shit. Right, right. You know? And that's the, how the patriarchy works, that you're able to depict these men in the worst light. They're doing the most horrible fucking crimes, and everyone loves them, and no one bats an eye. But all of a sudden, um, you know, women are on screen paying criminals, drugging and, and robbing men, and, and it's, it's a problem. You know how many times I've had to endorse seeing women get raped on camera? Get the fuck out of here. I don't care. And I think, so, it's, it's funny, it's funny you know what I mean it's interesting that this I mean this happened a while ago where I think someone was trying to say or a couple of people forward and said that Cardi B you know stole from them when when she was when she was a stripper like she stole from them she you know potentially drugged them or got them super duper duper drunk and it was like around the same time that I think Cosby was going to jail if I recall and everyone was trying to do this equal sign between, like, nah. you know, Mm-mm. Cosby and Cardi B. And no. I think we covered it on the podcast. And I was like, I don't think this is the same exact, it's you know, not the, the same, same exact thing. thing. I mean, these motherfuckers are loving. They love them some Biggie Smalls. That motherfucker rearranged little Kim's face. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he pistol whipped her ass. And he, right? Yeah. yeah. And he was fucking, he was fucking Kim in front of his wife. Right. You know what I mean? And they idolize these men. So it's, it's not the same thing. It's not equal footing. It's never going to be equal footing. If they want to try to play the equal game, go back in time and change the rules of the patriarchy. Change the system. Let's go. Let's take it back. Let's, you know, let's re, let, let's bring out all the books talking about how women were praised as, you know, as high deities, right? Let's stop, you know, man erasing our, the, the feminine history, and that's like men did everything. There are a lot of strong women in, in history that did a lot. Right? right. So if they want to play the equal game, they're gonna to have to go back and change the rules completely. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's not an equal it's not an equal footing society. Men are able to get away with a lot of horrible things that women are, you know, like when, the moment that women fuck up, all of a sudden we wanna hold them accountable because we wanna like get back at women for um, getting away with it. Nah, nah, it don't work that way. You ha- y'all have too many idols, male idols that you praise that are heavy fucking drug dealers beating the shit out of fucking women. Let's talk about that motherfucker, Dr. Dre. He rearranged Michelle A's face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He rearranged Michelle A's face. They love this motherfucker. They love Eminem. They love to talk. Convicted like rapist, the... Mike Tyson, convicted rapist. Well, it's the, I think it's the glorification, and I think this is what I said when we talked about this on the podcast before. Glorification... <laughs> Of the come up, like, no, like, morally, is it okay to drug people, sell people drug? Like, no. no. However, 
it does seem to work in certain people's favor. So you have Jay-Z right now who is literally brokering million dollar deals off of the drugs that off the origination of him selling drugs to people in his neighborhood. So like when people are up in arms that he's like, Oh, he's working with white people now, but he was like killing us before it was just, it's like this, this change in dynamic and, and what you consider how you got up to your come up. And I believe, and not that any of this makes it right. I think you and I are on the same page with that I think that the difference when people want to come for Cosby versus Cardi B Cosby was just drugging and raping y'all you know what I mean I think where some of the themes with the folks who were involved with Cardi B it was you know she was claiming that these were people I was in a relationship with and these are things that you know they said that they want I'm not here to argue semantics and history um but I can I can see where the varying perspectives are and I do think that, you know, from some of the articles, I, you know, I wouldn't know, but I think from some of the articles, there are back and forth opinions about, you know, hustlers. So the opposing views are mainly because they don't want to see women get away with this. Mm. They want to hold women accountable. It's not the power dynamics are not the same. You know, the way that men are positioned in the world versus women is not the same. So it's not going to be the same. So people are going to have to get over that shit. Oh, well. So the last question is, um, what is the best way service providers can advocate for and support sex workers, especially those most vulnerable, such as trans sex workers? Also, what is, oh, sorry. sorry, what is the best way to who service providers? Service providers can advocate for and support sex workers, especially the most vulnerable, such as trans sex workers. Well, there's a lot of um, different organizations that are led by trans people. You've mm-hmm. got the Outlaw Project, which is led by Monica Jones, mm-hmm. who was in that famous case in uh, Arizona where she got you know, arrested for walking while trans. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the New Jersey Bell Umbrella Alliance, who that's also led by trans and, and, and black people. Um, you know, donate to these organizations, donate to our sister organizations like Best Practices Policy Project, which is responsible for um, a lot of the grants that myself and Outlaw Project and, and New Jersey Red Umbrella get. Um, Best Practices Policy Project is, is responsible for that because they do a lot of our grant writing. Um, okay. So big ups to them. And then you've got the Desiree Alliance who up until the sex foster thing happened, they were the only organization that was doing um, a, uh, a sex worker conference in the U.S., right? Mm. But sex foster kind of, like, scared them away from being able to do the conference, so they don't want to, like, have it to be, like, a field day for cops to come in and say people are trafficked, being trafficked or working illegally. Mm-hmm. So they had to shut that down. But there's a lot of grassroots organizations that is led by trans people, that is led by by black people and you know give them your money that's all i can say give them your money try to make regular donations um if you can even if it's like ten dollars a month or something um buy the merchandise come to the event share their things on social media you know if you've got skills volunteer because uh a lot of the work cannot can't get done because we're all in some some capacity, like suffering under capitalism, we mm. can't find housing. We're underemployed. The um the grant welfare system. Ooh. Can you hear me, alright? Yeah, I can hear you. 
the grant welfare system is something else. It's a lot of invisible labor that goes into grant writing, right. you know, and a lot of times uh, we don't get funded. Sex worker-led spaces do not get funded. Mm. Um, there's, that's starting to change a little bit, but for the most part, like, like big grants, like Open Society Foundation has um, some really large grants that would be wonderful, but they are very anti-sex work, mm. right? So, like, if you, like Monica Jones, from what I understand, she, like, got into an interview got to the interview stage for like one of their really large grants, probably paying like six sixty thousand to a hundred thousand or something like that. And they wouldn't even they put her in a hotel and got her flight, but they wouldn't give her a stipend for food. And then they also rejected her hmm. um, you know, for the grant. So they do it it's a lot it's a very abusive system. Right. So if you want to help the sex workers, you give them your money. And if you can't give money, you know, loan your skills for a certain amount of time, but mean it. Because a lot of people say they want to help, and then you go to them for help, and then they drop the ball on projects where they can't be reached. And that becomes very frustrating because not enough of us are getting paid for this work. None of us are getting paid a living wage for this work, at least in the U.S. Mm. Right? None of us are, like, getting salaries. We're working off of scraps. So when people send in money to the to the Black Sex Worker Collective, a lot of times I use that to either give give money back to the community or I have to pay myself for a lot of the work that I do right. because I'm the only, like, one full-time person. Right. 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 So I, I have to be able to pay myself to do this work. I have to be able to sustain or I give it back to the community or if, if I have to have somebody um, do some other work, like, you know, be on an interview or go go to a meeting or whatever, then I'll like give it back and, and pay that person to go and do that because this is work, you know, and, right. you know, a lot of us are, have like these regular jobs that we have to go to meetings, but we're getting like an hourly wage or we're getting a salary. We don't get that in sex work. So. Give us some sweat equity if you can't give us money. But I ask that if people actually want to volunteer to some of these organizations, whether they're trans-led or they're sex worker-led or whatever, like if you're going to give time, mean it. Follow through on the project because there's nothing more frustrating than trying to get an idea implemented and then the person that you're relying on drops the ball on it. Right, right. And the second part of this question says, what are the best ways to reach full-service sex workers in, low, in lower socioeconomic areas? It seems that many are very apprehensive um, to receive services such as PrEP and condoms that may benefit them. Say what? <laughs> Wait, what are the, the best ways to reach them? To reach them if they're apprehensive about receiving um, help like condoms, testing services, and PrEP. I don't know any sex workers that are apprehensive about receiving that stuff. I'm not sure who wrote this message, but mm. I mean, the best way is to like reach out to a lot of these grassroots organizations. Gotcha. So you can go to like uh, funder sites, like you can go to like uh, site of you can go to Open Society, or you can go to Resist. Resist is an organization that also has funded us a lot of times. Resist or Third Ways, and you can ask them for contact to these organizations that would have access because they have access to the workers and then the organizations they fund will also have access to workers. So um, I don't know anybody who would be apprehensive about that. I've, that's news to me. I'm not saying it isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I find that most of us, we're very health conscious. We have to be because this is our work. We're not just like we're not regular schmegler girls out there. That's just like, you know, let me go fuck a random dude, whatever. And no, we are, it, it's our business to actually be healthy. So we can't really afford to like not use condoms, gotcha. you know, or whatever. Some people don't because of the law, the criminalization of the law, you know, like 
watching how many condoms you're carrying on you and clients taking advantage of you because they know that you're desperate, you know, um, and then wanting, you know, sometimes you get into these situations where you really need the money because things may have been slow for months and a client comes along as it's like, yeah, I want a bareback blowjob or bareback sex. And, you know, this is the first hundred dollars you're getting in like three fucking months. You might do it. Right. You know? Um, but you know, again, this is about stigma. It, it's not necessarily about the work, but again, if you, somebody's out there wants to reach the workers and they, you know, finding people apprehensive, go, you know, go to, go to different health centers. A lot of us are sometimes associated with different health centers. I'm trying to, the collective is trying to do something with Colin Lord right now with someone that works there, um, to be able to provide these health services. So just contact the funders that do fund these grassroots organizations that's led by immigrants, led by trans people, led by sex workers, and um, they can put you in contact with folks. All right. Aquinos, we are coming towards the end. (laughs) But I learned so much and I had so much fun chatting with you. So my my last question for you is, what is your hope in regards to sex worker rights in the future? Man, wow, I I really want the language around sex work to change. I really want people to stop viewing this as some kind of, I mean, it's specialized work, but it's not really that special. It's just work. Mm. It's customer service. It's advertising. It's ad copy. It's, um, you know, it's health. Like, it's not different from anything else. So I, I want the language to change. I want people to, to respect us in this society. I want us to have the right to be able to, like, say, you know, open up a bank account freely based off of doing this work and stop being criminalized, you know, um, through the banking system. Stop having the bank steal from us. Stop having clients steal from us in different ways. I want to be, I want us to be able to like press criminal charges against these clients that violate us sexually, violate us financially, waste our goddamn time. So there's a whole bunch of that shit going on mm-hmm. around. Um, and I, I need people to, to recognize that we are, you know, um, upstanding members of the society. We contribute to our communities. We have to give to our families. We have families and friends and our community members that we want to take care of just like anyone else. We pay our taxes just like anyone else. And I just want us to have the right to exist freely, you know? I want us to be able to, to get to get into homes and to get, you know, in prominent positions in universities because I'm not sure if there is an out sex worker that has tenure Mm. At any university, anywhere, right? I want us to have access to these spaces where you would not think sex workers should be. Like, we should be the one teaching about sexual health. We should be the one teaching about consent. Mm. You You know, there's nobody more qualified for us in a lot of these positions than sex workers. You know, we can teach about advertising. We can teach about how to write a good ad copy. Yes. You know, we can teach you how to do harm reduction. There's a lot of things that we're very qualified to do. And I want these companies, I want people, I want everyone to know that you can hire sex workers, a former or current sex workers to do this and pay us and not think that you're supposed to get a blowjob on the side or that we, you know, should get disrespected because everybody has sex. Right. Some of us just get paid for it. Right, right, right. So where can listeners find you? How can we support any of your upcoming work? How can we support any upcoming events? How can we support you? Oh, man. We are, you can go to the blacksexworkercollective.org, O-R-G, um, or the ESWC.org. I'm trying to point that address 
hope that I like did it correctly. But you know, look for the Black Tech Worker Collective. You can find us, and there is our social media. We are on Twitter as the Black SWC. We're on Instagram as the BSWC, um, and we have our different pages on Facebook, like the Radical Housing Initiative, which is something that we're working on now. Um, and we are looking for people with property, with um, with money that they want to give to people to get housing, and 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 other means that can get people um, into a better position to get and maintain housing. We're looking for people that want to join the group that have something to offer so we'll be able to get some of our members in um, in housing, in stable, in stable housing. Um, so you can look for the Radical Housing Initiative page on Facebook or you can follow me, Aquino, on Twitter, on IG, pretty much anywhere, A-K-Y-N-O-S. I'm pretty much that everywhere online. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you know, you can follow me through there and ask questions or Go to actblue.com slash donate slash BBS. Wait, actblue.com slash donate slash BSWC to do like a recurring monthly payment or a one-time donation. Yes. And, and as well, if you go to the website, sometimes we have merchandise up that we have for sale. All right. Oh, my gosh, Aquinos. I had such a great time speaking with you. Thank you so much for imparting your knowledge. Thank you for, you know, giving us the business. Thank you for keeping it real. And I really hope, I really hope to see you in the future. And I look forward to seeing more of your work. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to, can't wait to hear this later. <laughs> later in the week. Thank awesome. you so much. It was a good time. I love the questions. Very intriguing. It allowed me to think and expand more on some of the things I think about. So I appreciate this. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>